This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome to the post-Bathurst Fox Motorsports Supercar Podcast, uh, wrapping up a massive, massive weekend at, at the mountain. And wow, didn't the mountain just deliver again? We always have awesome races at the mountain, and this year's edition was no addition, no exception. To be uh, joined today, we have uh, our nor- my more normal sparring partner, Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Welcome, Will. Thanks, dude. How you going? Oh, look, I think I've, uh, I think I've recovered from Almost the weekend recovered. just quietly. Yeah. We, we had a very ropey uh, drive back on Monday morning, but anyway. Wallace uh, had a ropey drive back on Monday morning. Okay, that's probably, okay that would be me. Um, <laughs> uh, happy to be joined today by our Bathurst, 2018 Bathurst champions, Craig Lowndes and Steve Richards. Welcome to the podcast, boys. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Great, great to be here t- talking under these circumstances. I, I'd, I'd like to say that we, I feel like we willed you to win because I did say on the road to Bathurst podcast that if you two won, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house. And I don't, <laughs> I you, reckon did you I was. Cry? Why? I, you know what? I, I think I might have shed a little tear. Uh, you know, because <laughs> it, it was just such a fairy tale finish. So, boys, talk me through it. Talk me through those last laps at Bathurst. Uh, well, I suppose from my, my perspective, uh, it's always easier when you're inside the race car because you, you sort of know what's going on and, uh, and, and the control that you've got. But uh, um, I think that it, it's not the last couple of laps. It's sort of the last couple of stints. We were, we were running sort of qualifying lap times, trying to chase and gap or, or to close the gap to Dave Reynolds. And when... We got uh, wind of uh, the car not having some issues. I took that upon myself as it was a car issue, not, not a physical issue. So uh, for me, it was one of those things that once we got round him into turn two, that was really a matter of uh, trying to open up a gap. And, uh, and then uh, those last remaining laps, sort of with a second, uh, sorry, seven or eight second gap, was just to maintain that and, uh, and to bring it home. Uh, Richard, what about for you? What's it like standing in the garage watching... See, so I'll do those laps, and they they're counting down, counting down, knowing that you're at the front of the field, and this race, this another race win could be yours. Yeah, look, I, I'd actually agree with CL. I'd I'd much rather be in be in the car, to be honest, because <laughs> you just you just have a sense. I guess in the garage, you have a bit more of a sense of what's going on around um, Craig and the environment, and and of course, you know that. You know, every race car driver knows that the ultimate goal, you know, is to have a have an eight second gap. Um, for, for a race finish, but the reality is eight seconds evaporates unbelievably quickly with just the smallest of, of, of dramas. So really, you know, from when, when the pass was made, um, and it's funny because it, it, there, there was a, a real status quo between the gap between, um, Dave and Craig up until that last, that last stint. And um, a couple couple of things happened. The first one, obviously, was Dave getting a bit crook, but also um, we had a little issue in the car with the rear Andy roll bar being being fro- sort of frozen up, and and Craig somehow managed to to get a small amount of adjustment out of it, and that was that was just the catalyst, the little ingredient that that he needed to to get a, get a little bit more of a speed out of the car. So all of a sudden, we saw the car literally in the space of one lap gain three tenths of a second a lap and that was that that was what we needed to catch him um let alone try and get past and then all of a sudden dave dave had his his um his drama so it, it became a bit elementary but let me tell you standing in the garage 
waiting for for twenty one or twenty two laps to roll down is a terrible place to be. <laughs> <laughs> now, see all that this this win puts you into equal second with uh, seven wins at the mountain. What does that mean? What does that seven being a seven time winner mean to you? Oh, look, I think that uh, firstly the 06 one will always be the special one. I think there's no doubt that uh, we all went to Bathurst back then uh, in memory of Peter Brock and, and you know, the emotions of what you go through through that lead into the race and then, of course, the race itself. But this one's right up there. I think it's probably the second, you know, almost equal to that because of the emotions of why we went there, it being the last full-time uh, driver in a supercar, now thinking back and looking back on it, probably never going to qualify a supercar at Bathurst ever again, only because the the main driver gets that role or that job to to uh, to qualify the car and then hopefully do the top ten shootout. So there's a lot of emotions obviously going through the weekend, even you know given what we've done. Um, at, at the same time, you know driving with Steve, you know this is the fifth year we've been together and we've won two out of the five. And I think we we spoke about that last week. And really. Uh, for us as, as a combination has been really successful and, and knowing that we're not going to have that combination going forward. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of emotions going through everything at that time. Even to Johnny McGregor, the, my engineer or our engineer, um, you know, he's a young kid, really bright, talented, and it's, you know, he had his first victory breakthrough at Tasmania earlier this year and now to come away with the same year with a Bathurst victory as well. It's, it's a really credit to him as well. I mean, when you when you sit back and look at it, do you, do you look at seven Bathurst and go, "Wow, most there's a lot of guys who haven't won one, and I've got seven. That's a marvelous achievement." Oh, absolutely! I think you know, I, I'm still disappointed even in the early days when I was driving with Glenn Fleet not to uh, to be able to get a victory for him as well. And yeah, we were on the podium uh, second twice, but yeah, we never we never broke through for a victory. So you look at someone like a Glenn Fleet who has such a huge. Uh, career and successful career, but never had a victory at Bathurst. So it, it is a place where you don't necessarily need to have the fastest car. You just need good reliability. Um, strategy needs to play a part. You know, the two drivers need to do their part. And, and so, you know, we went into the weekend with huge amount of dramas, but uh, you know, we managed to, at the end of the day uh, get a victory. And you, you now equal uh, Jim Richards as a seven-time winner. Now, Steve, you're a five-time winner. What does that mean yeah. to you? Having having that amount of wins at Bathurst. Oh, mate, I, I'm actually still I'm still um, can't I'm still struggling to come to terms with just winning on Sunday. You know, I, I just actually walked out into the kitchen, been doing other things today. Walked out of the kitchen and saw the paper from Sun from Monday, and and looked looked down and and saw a picture of us holding the trophy, and I thought, <laughs> oh, it's just it's just honestly, it's I mean, it's it's what you aspire to do, but it's just absolutely bizarre. You sort of um, it, it it does. It means a huge amount, but I I I, I struggle. I'm struggling a little <laughs> bit with the reality of it all at the moment. Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean you you basically cross the line, do a kind of a lap, cool down lap through the campgrounds, then straight up on the podium, and then I know we did like trackside straight after it. Then it was like many commitments all the way through Monday and and Tuesday. So if you guys caught your breath and managed to actually sit down and think about what has transpired or has it just been this whirlwind that just keeps going oh for us uh, yeah whirlwind it's sort of uh, yeah we got home last night um yeah we, we both when we left sydney on monday night sort of we got to sort of near newcastle and then we got home late last night so what it's almost back in again yeah we you can also celebrate for what we've done but then then also now focus on the gold coast which is in 
a week and a half's time. So um, I think it really will be the end of the year where we get a chance to sit down and reflect and, and, and uh, you know, catch up with Steve and have a beer and, and really celebrate because Sunday night, by the time we got to the team dinner, we looked across each other and we're almost asleep on the table. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it's the emotions that obviously, as Steve said, it's, it's really hard to believe that what we've achieved, um, you know, knowing that the issues we had going into the weekend and everything else, yeah, you still sort of pinch yourself knowing what we've achieved. So the you were saying that you you know on Sunday night you had a team dinner and you you were very tired. You didn't celebrate like your first Bathurst, which uh, <laughs> turned out to be a big one. So I hear. <laughs> no, I think a bit of age goes really well with uh, being common sense or having common sense. <laughs> That's so, right. Um, yeah, we were going obviously Monday morning doing radio before we drove to Sydney and then uh, continued the the media tour. But it, look, it's been fantastic. Like it, 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 it's a problem. It's a good problem to have, and mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, going forward, um, you know, we will get a chance to reflect on what we've achieved. Uh, you know, but as I said, we've still got Gold Coast to go. There's still that Pertec Endurance Cup to, to hopefully, uh, you know, hold up high at the end of uh, the Gold Coast once we, uh, you know, get through that weekend. If we can you know, manage to win that, that'll be, a, that'll be amazing to, uh, to, for us to, yeah, to be absolutely. able to do that side of as well. Now, you guys didn't run uh, cool suits on the, the weekend. You, you chose to go, you know, Get nice and tough. Are the other guy? Are the other all drivers? Other are the other drivers soft, or are you just? Are you guys just acclimatised to the, the track better? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not sure there. I mean, uh, Craig and I have never never run a cool suit at, at Sandown or Bathurst because I don't know. It's just a whether it's a bit of an old school thing or whatever. But you know, for, to me, if the the ambient temperature's under 25 degrees, there's, there's sort of probably no no need for it. But um, that that with that said, I'm sure you know puffing it out in the last part of the race. If you were you know if you were doing it a bit tough, it it, it would come in quite handy. But well, it, it's it's not for any reason other than we've just we just have developed this thing over the years, and it's more it's to be honest, it's more aligned with Craig. If Craig wants to wear a cool suit, I'll wear a cool suit. If he if he doesn't want to, I I, I won't either. So. Um, but but definitely, definitely, and and I'm, I'm hoping I can speak for Craig when we get to the Gold Coast. We'll definitely be wearing one. <laughs> now the, the, yes, <laughs> there's a lot of drivers say that you know they the the car just rolled out of the truck fine. Everything was fine. You didn't have to touch it. Unfortunately for you guys, it was a bit of a roller coaster weekend. You had power steering issues and a whole bunch of different issues leading up to to the race on Sunday. If you could, would you change anything, or are you happy with your preparation in the lead up to the race? Uh, I, I think, to be honest, yes, you would like to change it up. Like, if you'd like to get rid of those power steering issues day one, that'd be a really good opportunity. But uh, um, I think we're also very lucky with the weather too. The, with the wet weather, we didn't lose too much track time. Uh, I don't think many teams chase the wet weather conditions, knowing what Sunday was going to be all about. So. Really, um, you know, we were thankful that we drove the car out in the wet, that we didn't actually sit it out. But, uh, you know, the power steering issues, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go through tomorrow and try and work out and ascertain what actually was the cause. So obviously we don't get that ever again. But it's, uh, you know, we were fortunate if, you know, if we didn't have that, um, I think that, uh, you know, we would have probably spent more time tuning the car. And when I say that, like, yes, yes, the car rolled out probably 85, 90% right. Like, we didn't do too much to it since, or from our sort of baseline. And that, and that was really a, a credit of the team that, uh, you know, we were lucky enough when we had our issues that we had two other cars that we could lean off and uh, understand what they were doing and, and, and make some educated guess. But 
to be honest, it wasn't really until Sunday morning that both Steve and I were actually happy with the car. So even up until Saturday night, we're going into Sunday not knowing what we had. Yeah, you know, just from my perspective, I think that, you know, Craig, Craig unfortunately probably didn't get the most out of his shootout lap because that was that was almost a, a, a test for the car to make sure that the, the power steering wasn't loading up. And I, I guess for the people listening to to the podcast here, just, just to give you an understanding about a modern-day supercar, you just physically cannot drive the cars without power steering. So if you imagine you, you, you're racing around the top at Mount Panorama and you come down into the grate and all of a sudden you go from having a, a, a bit of, uh, you know, normal steering to then not being able to turn, the, 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 the circumstances of that happening are absolutely catastrophic. So what it does do, it gives you absolutely no confidence when you're driving the car when, when this sort of thing is going on, let alone you physically can't drive it. So if we had have had that sort of problem in the race, literally we would have been, we, we, we would have had to stop to try and rectify it. And not only that, but, you know, Craig, Craig's lap really in the top 10 shootout was essentially an observational lap. It wasn't, it wasn't something he could really sink his teeth into, even, even though he did, he had a go. But, but, but the reality is it saps a little bit of your confidence when, when, when the car's doing what it is. That's incredible. So there, so had that issue not been, cause Roland Dane was telling us after the race that the problem was sorted. Sunday morning. So without that, there's no way you guys could have won won the race. Never mind challenged or, yeah. No, no. There's there's absolutely no way. I mean, when you um and and the team because what 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 happens is no no one probably for the last ten years has really had much of an issue with power steering. So when you get there and you've got an issue, you go, oh well, you know, this, this will be an easy fix. We'll change the rack, which we did, and it didn't fix it. So I said, oh, well, no problem, you change the next thing, we'll change the power steering pump, that'll fix it. And it didn't. And then all of a sudden you're going, hang on a second, and we're, and we're finding some small issues as, as we're going through this thing. All of a sudden you get through Friday, you still haven't fixed, you've done three practice sessions, the car's not fixed, you roll into, you roll into Saturday morning for, for, the, for, for a practice session or a qualifying session, and then you still haven't resolved it. All of a sudden you start going, Hang on a sec. The, the race is tomorrow, and at that point, from my perspective, I hadn't done a dry lap in the car with, without a problem. So, so then you do start to worry because you cannot drive these things without it. Mm. It's mm. it's incredible to, to think that how hard it would be to to pull up a you know one point two ton uh, supercar around around Bathurst and try and steer it through some of those really tight corners, like through the cutting and then through the elbow and everything without power steering. It'd be incredible. And I guess you would have... I think I saw a, an interview with you where you said you didn't know whether you were going to go out the back and pump weights or something to... if it had to come to that without power steering. So, yeah. Um, Richo, what was going through your mind, lap 57, when you come into the, to the, the pit entry and you kind yeah. of just... Get it into the sand a little bit, and then you—I mean, were you going? Oh no! What was going through your mind when you when you kind of hit yeah, the sand? No. Yeah, look, it was, it was gen, obviously it was a genuine mistake. I'd I'd, I'd been doing the, the you know the the little bit of reasoning behind it was the, the pack that I was in during that stint. I, I wasn't really. It, it seemed to me it was going to be a, a potential risk to try and pass those guys. So I'd spent I'd spent fifteen laps 
really trying to trying to do a lot of fuel saving and and it was working well because the leader really wasn't getting away he was only sort of three seconds up the road and i thought well if i can maintain this and have an unbelievably good pit entry and maybe pick up a second on these guys We'll, we'll, we'll do the stop and Cray will come out in second place. <laughs> if I had saved, if I had saved that second in pit lane, he still would have probably come out in, in, in maybe third. But look, and, and this is the thing. And, and you know, you, you've got to, you, I guess, well, the way I look at it is anytime you're in the car, whether you're a co-driver or a main driver, you just want to be able to make a, play your role and make a difference in a positive way mm. to, to how, how you can affect the result of the race. And, and sometimes you can't pass guys, so you've got to do other things. But when I went into the gravel, I was thinking, holy shit, this, is, this isn't a, a great situation to be in. But I knew I, knew I wasn't going to end up fully in there. I only just missed the apex of the, of the entry road. And I reckon I'm pretty sure I had it in reverse gear before I'd even stopped. <laughs> back it up. We, I think we lost 10 or 12 seconds and then we... We had a, had a difficult, difficult rotor change at that point too, which which dropped us a fair bit. So, um, but yeah, you, you feel gutted. You feel gutted. I felt gutted for Craig. Um, I was incredibly pissed off with myself because it's not, you know, I pride myself on not not making those sorts of mm. errors. But um, if you don't if you don't get yourself pick yourself up and move on pretty quick, the the, the day escapes you and you'll you, you know you, you can have other issues. So onwards and upwards. <laughs> and and CL, when was the first? Inkling that you had uh, that uh, that you noticed something was wrong when Richo came up the pit lane. Well, I think it was one of those things that uh, when I knew that uh, obviously we're coming in that lap, you obviously get uh, ready inside the garage, and then the whole team's getting prepped. And, you know, they take the wheels out, all, all the discs and, and everything you need, obviously to service the car at that point. And I knew that uh, when I left the garage, he was in front of Earl, and then as I'm standing out in pit apron, I'm looking down, obviously down to the pit entry. And then I can see the Red Bull car 97 come up over the crest. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. Why are we not there in front of him? So, uh, And then I saw the car behind him. So I knew something had gone on. I didn't know exactly what. But, uh, you know, we're still circulating. We're still there. And uh, and it's probably almost very uh, reminiscing of, uh, of when Jamie and I did it. I think it was 07 or 08 where... He came in when Jamie came into the pits and uh, and actually went straight through the gravel trap and uh, finally came into the pits as well. So uh, maybe it's a good omen to, to miss the pit entry. Um, but it was um, very lucky. Obviously, oh, thanks, that, uh, thanks, mate. You're a buddy. It was just obviously yeah you know, one of those situations where you don't really you, you do practice a little bit, but of course as we keep talking about the the, the wet lead into the practice sessions you don't get an opportunity to really attack pit lane like you would normally do in a race race conditions now for you seal it was the, the one of the biggest margins that you've had to to for winning did you get to enjoy the win as you're cruising around on your last lap and what were you thinking about on that last lap before you got to the finish line um yeah i think it will definitely was the largest margin i've had in you know, all my my career of, of you know completing that last lap in the in being in the front because normally you're defending or uh, trying to keep someone away from you. But uh, for me, uh, you know, even those last sort of 15, I was counting it down in my head. I, I know Irish was who was telling me, but uh, you know, I was going sort of 15, 14, 13, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm just going down, 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 and and I'm also sort of thinking like we've got a you know eight, almost an eight second gap. Wonder if a safety car is going to pop out just to make this interesting towards the end. But uh, thankfully, no one. Although I've got to say that I said to Steve at the, uh, on Sunday night that 
yeah, when you start thinking those last couple of laps, you're thinking, yeah, you're feeling the car, the vibrations, everything else. I can start smelling burnt rubber. And I'm thinking, is this coming off our car or what's going on? And then, of course, I got down over Skyline, went down through the dipper, got into Forest Elbow. And then as I exited Forest Elbow, I could see Tim Slade limping the car home. And I think, oh, that's what I could smell. And I was just, you know, everything, just your, your senses just heightened because you just want to get through that next sort of 12 kilometres of track and uh, bring it home. But uh, once I did, I started the last lap with the gap that I had, um, you know, yes, I, I, I had an opportunity to really soak it in and, and to go across the top of the mountain with all the fans, you know, uh, waving the flags and standing up and cheering and everything else. They're, they're sort of the moments you, 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 you will never forget. Mm. Um, and also, you know, walking out with Steve onto the podium, um, you know, the people below us was, was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was unbelievable. That's um, now, Richard. You had a, a fairly good celebration. I, I saw a, a shot of you hanging precariously off the pit wall. Uh, were you trying to climb onto the car? Is that what, what what this was about? Is it? Were you worried you were going to fall off? Or nah, no, no, word no, yet. <laughs> just just trying to just trying to uh, just trying to celebrate with Lounsey as he come up pit lane and the team. I think you know it's just it's it's the best it's it's the best moment. It's one of the best moments in world motorsport, not mm. not just Australian motorsport. And um, you know, I don't I don't think too much about it. I, I did it probably to a lesser degree back in 2015, but um, no, nah, it's just I don't know, it's just excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know whether you were trying to step on the roof of the car as Lounsey went past, because <laughs> I thought, oh, I could kind of work. Nah, if I had have done that, Cam's would have definitely yeah. tried me. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be worth it, I reckon. Now, the shoey on the podium. Who was the protagonist that uh, that started that one? Oh, I reckon the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, for sure. They started shouting "shooey, shooey." So perfect. Anyway, Lounsey suggested it, and that, that's what happened. Uh, and uh, <laughs> w- was it as bad as you'd thought? Was it better than you had thought? Have you? Is this something you had given thought to afterwards? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I, I never really thought about it too much. I've, I've seen a lot of them being done, but uh, I didn't think about it too much. And to be honest, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember what the taste was like. I was just sort of uh, like, do it, get it over and done with. <laughs> well, Probably there you go. Best. Probably for the best. Yeah. Um, now, you, you, you boys had both your, your dads there over the weekend. Uh, Steve, Jim was um, racing in the Touring Car Masters yep. and... And CL, your dad was there as soon as you got through uh, Park, Park Ferme into the area. What did they say to you? Uh, oh, well, my, my, yeah, so yeah, my dad just uh, you know he said, "Well done, what a what a brilliant effort, bloody well done." So um, you know he, he obviously was very teary and everything else. And he's been uh, like Jim, been very much a, a part of the the foundation of motor racing here in Australia. So um, yeah, it was really nice to have him there and. Uh, um, it was a bit of a surprise, to be honest, because like, he was sitting in the garage when I got into the car for the last time. So, uh, yeah, it was a nice surprise. Yeah, look, um, dad, dad, mum and dad were there, and um, it was uh, dad. Dad actually, he 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 likes being at Bathurst if he's driving, but um, doesn't if he's not. So, <laughs> what he what what he usually does, he finished up the Touring Car Masters race and then uh, went went back to the house they were staying at and turned the tally on. And and really, the the only reason he came back to the track was to pick up pick up my nephew, his <laughs> grandson, um, to, to to take home. But no, not I mean, not really. I mean, he's absolutely he's absolutely wrapped for us. He, um, you know, I guess grow, growing up at that place, that, that was almost a, our our family holiday mm. every year. And and you know, you, you don't 
look at it from an, an emotional perspective, but but for sure, you know, having your family there, it was it was really good. It's the first time my kids were were actually at Bathurst for one of the wins, so um, lot, lots of lots of really nice moments for us over the weekend, and and for sure, catching up with catching up with mum and dad after the race was was nice. Now, CL, you've said that Brock talk you through sat you down and talked you through a lap of Bathurst about where you should position the car and, the, and kind of the secrets to the circuit. One thing that I've never really asked you, and I've always wanted to, is have you shared this information with either J-Dub or SVG or any of the other co-drivers, or do you kill, still keep that a secret? Oh, no, no. Look, I'm, I'm better in some way. that you know, look, if, if someone wants to understand it, wants to ask the question about what to look for and how to flow the car and what to do. And, uh, yeah, I'm more than open to, uh, to, to let him in on what's going on. Even, you know, when it was wet in those early stages, you know, Steve and I were talking about, you know, last year and where we were positioning the car, where to drive it offline, where, where the grip was. So, the, the, yeah, look, to be honest, I don't think either one of us are very much a um, keep it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we, we debrief all together with three cars and six drivers, if one of us are finding a better way of doing something, that uh, you know, we're pretty open about that side of it. And again, we've also got the in-car or the onboard um, cameras that we can actually now sit down and view any any one of our three cars at any given time. And of course, the data and everything else. So it's it's not really a secret, to be honest. It just really comes down to your personal choice of how you want to drive the car. Yeah. Now, a couple of other big talking points from across the weekend, and one of them was um, your. Uh, teammates as well from uh, the the number one car with um, Jamie's car uh, wheel falling off with um, Dumbrell at the, at the wheel. Have they found the cause of the problem yet? Do you know, or is it just one of those things? Uh, well, again, we'll debrief tomorrow. But uh, you know, when we when I say we debrief, you know, the drivers will debrief sort of later in the day, early in the day or the morning. The team will debrief, and I'm sure that is definitely one element that uh, they'll be discussing and figuring out why and what went wrong or how it went wrong. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Steve was in the car at the time. He was right behind PD when, when the wheel came loose. And once it did, um, I reckon not even two seconds later, Roland was in our side of the garage telling whoever was on that uh, front right to to really give it a good rattle up and, and make sure you stay on the nut for, for a little bit longer than you normally would, just to be sure. Um, again, you know, when you think things like that happen throughout the race, you, you, you have got time to analyse it. You just got to work out how to fix it there and then. Um, and I think you know, we did that, but uh, you know, what caused it? Because you know, the, the person that's on that corner of that car is uh, you know a very well credentialed person. So it's not like that we had a a junior or, or, a, or a, um, an apprentice on that wheel. Like it, mm. it's something that uh, we'll definitely analyse and work out why what, what went wrong. Now, Will, you were watching the, the incident from the truck. Is the, the $5,000 fine warranted or is it too much or too less? Oh, oh look, I think... Yeah, you guys okay. yeah, no, safety is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, look, I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, it's, it's one of those things. If that if that ends up in the crowd, um, you've got a, you've got a major problem. So, you know, the, team, the teams have got a, a fair responsibility to ensure that that sort of stuff doesn't happen and that mm. and that comes about the same with safety you know all of the cars now have um have tethers that hold basically hold the hold the front upright to the to the um to the chassis of the car um and and it, it, everything's ongoing you can't sometimes you just can't help um accidents happening but yeah they the, the teams do get penalized pretty heavy for all that sort of stuff it was a 
fair to say a fairly clean Bathurst race. I mean, there was only three safety cars. Was this something that surprised you both? And I'm going to throw this to you as well, Will. We haven't seen kind of a lot of green running. I mean, last year we had the first 100 laps, I think, was green running. But to only have three safety cars, I found a bit odd. There was no really no big shunts or big crashes, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think from from my perspective that um, now the quality and the level of competition gets higher and higher in every every year, and more and more, you know, we we see less less and less rookies in the cars nowadays. Most of the guys have done. You know, back back when Craig and I started, there was no there was no Super Two, there was no um, sort of category that, uh, other than Formula Ford that that you came out of so therefore most of the guys now had some form of experience in a car like a supercar um and and, and they just don't you don't make as many mistakes so um back in the, the in the 90s and early 2000s there was also 40 to 45 cars starting the race so mm. um more more elements for for mistakes to be made probably the other positive is the one one of the talking points heading into the weekend was the rotor change and the potential. There was a lot of fears of a big potential for a mistake to be made and a car to be sent out back out onto the track and arrive at Griffin's Bend with no brakes. Well, happily, that never happened all weekend. All the teams, whilst there were mistakes made on pit lane during the changes, every car went away safe and was able to continue back into the race, which I think is no mean feat given given the size of that task and the pressure to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, oh, look, I, I think that you're right there, Will. I think that's, uh, you know, to be honest, and, and now that we've sort of got past that that stage, you know, we did practice the the alternative way, which is you take the caliper and the disc and the hat all off all together. And we did it at uh, QR and uh, we... we, we um, to come to an issue that, uh, you know, when we're putting it back on, as you said, like, you know, we, we had a cross-threaded nut. We just completely went right away from that procedure but just because of the safety angle. So um, everyone had their sort of methods and, and sort of madness of how to do it or how quickly to do it. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's we all said to ourselves that, you know, if it's a second longer or two seconds longer for the safety and, and knowing that you've got a brake pedal for the, for the remainder of the race is more more valuable than trying to do it two seconds faster. So, yeah, we opted to do it the way we did it. Um, and, you know, it, we, I think we, and I say we, like Car 97 and ourselves had a, a slight issue. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'd rather have that and have a brake pedal than, than uh, do it faster and not have one at all. Mm. Now, the, there was, you know, the podium was made up of uh, Scotty Pye and, uh, and Luffy and McLaughlin and Prema. Now, I think for Walkinshaw, this was a, a good result for them to grab second because, you know, after JC went out early with, with Jack Perkins with that that engine failure, um, it was good to see them challenging back up the, the start, up, up the front of the field because they've kind of lost their way in the last few rounds. So to see them get a podium at Bathurst, I thought was fairly good. Yeah, I think so. I think there's no doubt that, uh, you know, those guys will probably, uh, you know, have a bit of uh, confidence coming out of that. Um, you know, really, again, Bathurst has proven, you know, you don't need the fastest car. You look at Dave Reynolds, yes, they had the, they had the car to beat the weekend and uh, he succumbed to, uh, you know, some physical issues. Car one had a wheel fall off. Uh, 97 didn't seem to have the, the, the pace at the end. Um, you know, you sort of look through the field there that that the ones that had pace didn't really, unfortunately, uh, you know, come out, you know, with, with sort of, well, not any good results. So, 
it, it, you know, it is. It's great for them. I'm sure, no doubt, that uh, you know they'll, they'll learn from that. It, it, it was interesting to, have to see the the engine issues for uh, James Courtney because it's very it's a rarity at these days that uh, an engine has an issue. So uh, it's a shame for him. Um, it could have been very different for uh, but for that both that team both um, to have a good good result. Yeah, and also. You know, um, Scott McLaughlin on the on the podium, it was his first Bathurst podium, and I know he'd been looking forward to it for so long. When I, I interviewed him early in the year, he's like, oh, I still haven't got a Bathurst podium, and it annoys the you know, the hell out of me because I've been <laughs> so close so much. And then he got into, I remember a, a grab from the press conference where he, he was like, he was so happy to be on the podium, but also uh, not just for himself, but because it was the last Falcon podium and because... He was sharing it with UCL, so that that was a special podium for him. It was, and look, it, it was it was disappointing to hear the boos that were coming through the crowd you know, for him and Alex. Like at the end of the day, we all, we've worked damn hard mm. to be on the podium. It doesn't matter what manufacturer you drive for, and uh, you know everyone needs to realise this. You know to celebrate for what it is. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it was great to see both Scotties, um, Alex, and, and Luffy. On the podium, and uh, and, and again, it, it it is really something that uh, you know you deserve to be there because of the hard work you've done with the team effort you've got behind you. And, and as I said, it doesn't matter what manufacturer you're in, it, it, you know the fans should should celebrate it and be thankful that uh, you know we've put on a good show. Um, you know, it was a great race. It was uh, you know mm. the fastest race in time du- duration. So uh, you know, really, at the end of the day, that was a little bit disappointing. I felt for both Scotty and uh, and Alex, but. Uh, as you said, you know, he, he was just so happy to be on the podium for the last round of the Fal- for the last time that uh, Falcon will be driving around Bathurst. So it's, you know, it was a credit to them. Um, they had a superior car last year, and again this year they just didn't quite hit the mark. So, mm. um, again, they'll, they'll go to Gold Coast uh, like we all will, um, obviously all fired up. For, for me, the, the big heartbreak story was, was Erebus. They were so quick with Pasquale starting, you know, on that second row, uh, Reynolds on pole, and then it kind of got to a, that certain point, and then within a few laps, it had completely unravelled for them, which is such a shame because I was heartbroken for for Davey being a regular contributor to our podcast. And we get to speak to him all the time, and then um, to, just to see him so gutted, it was like, oh, I feel for you, man. There's like like nothing much I can do, but it, to hear him on the radio just being a little bit delirious, and then you know. And to say that he was, like, mentally fatigued before he even got in the car on Sunday, that was a concern. I was like, wow, that's a that's a, an effort to kind of get as far into it as he did. Yeah, look, I, I, it's it's one of those things, you know, standing in the garage, we, we can't hear the we can't hear the audio that's coming from the TV, the commentary, but um, seeing, seeing everything that was going on there, I, I, when, when I did finally hear the audio, and this, this is, you know, absolutely no disrespect to Erebus, they did a phenomenal... Mm job all, all, all weekend but I really you know when, when I did hear the audio and it's okay to say it in hindsight I understand that but but really Dave, Dave should have been pulled from the car it shouldn't have been his decision um, his decision to make the team should have jumped on the front foot and and, and, I, and I know in, I know since Barry Ryan's come out and said and said that but it's but it's hard when you're racing because yeah you know you you you're in the mode you're in the moment and um, things are going on and and that would not have been something that that the team were expecting. You know, of of all the things that that can happen at Bathurst, that wouldn't have been one on their radar, I'm sure. So, mm. um, you know, tragic for them, tragic for Dave and and Luke, obviously. Um, but 
but um, you know that that that's a lesson learned probably for everyone. To be honest, all the teams will learn from that, um, and and for the future, it'll 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 be better for everyone. Have you guys had anything like that in your racing career? Uh, for me, probably when I very first went there in '94, when I uh, finished the race, which I wasn't supposed to, but uh, your, your adrenaline keeps your body going, and then when you start to slow down, you start cramping and you couldn't let go of the steering wheel and everything else. And it was a bit of an eye opener. And as Steve said, like it, it's it's very uncommon for these days to have that as a driver fatiguing. But mm. look, you know, it, it also shows too how physical and, and physically demanding. The race, especially when you're trying to get in to do a triple stint. Now, every year we're trying to push the limits and, and, you know, we went into the, into the race with that strategy that I would do a triple stint to the finish. And, um, you know, for me, it was, you know, I, I got out of the car. I had a little bit of a sore back and everything else. But, uh, um, thankfully, you know, I've learned to try and relax as much as you can when you're in the car as often as you can because you just don't want to burn up all your, your energy just in that first sort of 10, 15 laps because you're knowing that you're going to have three stints. It's almost like a reset button every time you go through pit lane. So for me, it was, um, uh, you know, something I learned very early days is, is to do that, is to, is to relax. What about for you, Rich? Have you had any experience, experienced anything like that in the car? Yeah, look, the, probably the only the only time for me was um, at at Adelaide for the Clipsal event in two thousand and six. I think that was that was the hottest event, or one of the hottest events uh, we'd we'd been involved in. But it was also a time where the engineers were starting to close the cars up a lot more. They were starting to ensure that you know that they, they were finding speed from keeping the windows up. Cool suits hadn't quite developed to a level where. They could survive any more than about a 30 or 40 minute race, and and we went into that race, I remember, and um, and it was really really tough. I think we saw, you know, Steve Owen had a had a massive problem where he was he was literally driving around delirious. His cool suit mm. failed, and ended up having a small accident. I think it was a year that um, someone else got pulled out of a car during. It might have even been James Courtney, I think. Um, but but I remember coming down to the final stint, and we actually had that year we had a lot of safety cars, and it wasn't a windy day at all. It was 30, 35, 36 degrees, incredibly still, and um, we had four or five safety cars. And when when the safety cars came out, the heat soak from under the car would just just you'll, it was like you were in an oven. You just had absolutely no air from around the car dragging anything out through the through any sort of ducting that you might have had and and you were cooking during the safety car period so um that that last stint for me in that race on the saturday and and, it, and it's funny at, at adelaide it was always the saturday race because it was the first big race of the year and your body probably wasn't used to it the saturday was always harder than the sunday and um really that last stint for me i i, I was just hanging on i, I couldn't make any move forward all i could do was um was was try and survive now there was a the top 10 shootout was a mega lap by anton t pasquale uh, do you guys keep an eye on the the younger guys coming through because i know he's been uh paul morris has been uh mentoring him and and everything but he looks like he's going to be uh a, a good future driver and he's got a, a long a, a long career in this sport Oh, absolutely. I think there's no doubt that you've got to keep an eye on that next generation. And, uh, you know, um, I suppose for like a little bit of a, a side story, like we, we did a photo shoot early in the week 
uh, with the old the old guys, which Steve and I were part of it, Garth Tanner and, and Winterbottom and Bridie. And I remember remember thinking that when we first started uh, in our career, you know, early days, we, we halved the age of uh, the race drivers. Now we double it. So um, to see <laughs> to see what the next generation is all about, like Will Brown uh, in Super 2, there's, there's, there's some great and, – and the, and the feeder categories now are much better than what we had when we first well, – we, we did it. But it's great to see that teams are giving those young generations an opportunity to develop and show their their you know their their abilities and, and then of course uh, you know Anton's top ten uh, lap was amazing like it was really good for the time that when he did it when he posted it to when he only you know got beaten by two other drivers and that was mm. you know probably about another half an hour later down the track where the track had probably got better got faster um, so yeah there's definitely some good youth um, in amongst our categories and, and junior categories that uh, you know hopefully will put our sport into good. Uh, in, in a good way going forward. Yeah, and he, the fact that, that that lap he made a couple of mistakes as well and still posted a really fast time, I was like, wow, that could have been a really good lap. Um, now, this is potentially Irish's last Bathurst with Triple Eight. Was it good for him to take a, a Bathurst win? What, what, what did you say to him after the race? No, oh, I gave him a hug, and you know, he, you know, he, he's a, he, as I said, he's a talented uh, young engineer. That uh, what he doesn't know, he, he obviously will go and source and find out. Um, he does think outside the box every now and then, and that's that's a great thing. Um, you know, our three, both, oh, sorry, all three of our engineers are, are very different in, in different ways, but they they come together as as one. And uh, um, you know, any time you can get a you know, a Bathurst victory on your CV, it doesn't matter whether you're a driver or, a, or an engineer, it's uh, you know, it's a great thing. And uh, where his future goes or lays, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, for him, it's uh, obviously you know, giving him more credit now of, of his ability and what he does. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, uh, just yeah. just on that, AJ. One of one of the one of the really impressive things both Craig and I noticed on the on the weekend with Irish was was when we when we had that power steering issue, he he grabbed that issue by the horns, and he on Saturday afternoon, as stressed and 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 um, you know concerned as he was, he just he just took it on his shoulders, and he he, he with he and Sam Michael virtually managed the whole process. To the point of getting it getting it rectified and fixed, I and mean, to me that's the you know when you're in a in a competitive team environment like supercars is, you know there there are there are people that there are people that rise to the occasion in that circumstance, and there are people that fall in a heap, and and there's there's more people that fall in a heap than rise to the occasion, mm. and and Irish was a was a huge measure of that, so um, he can be. Uh, unbelievably proud of, of you know what he and and the team did on the weekend. Now, Seal, do you after that result at Bathurst? Are you sure you want to retire? Is this? Are you sure this is something <laughs> that you want to do? I mean, you're still it's competitive. You've had race wins this year. You've taken a Bathurst win. I know you want to no, go, probably yeah, go out on a high, but. Well, you never know when the right time is, and that's the big thing. Is, is you now we, we made the decision early in the year, obviously, to to retire because we believe, and, and I still believe it's the right time. I, you know, you, you want to go out in the high, you just don't want to be circulating, and I've always said you don't want to be just running around making up the numbers. So, for me, it's, it still is the right time. It, it allows me to do other other things outside of supercars, which is probably a shame because supercars have been probably all half my life. But uh, you know, like a, a Le Mans or a Daytona or, or doing other things in GT world. Um, yeah, there's definitely those opportunities that, uh, you know, for me will open those doors up more than what we will, you know, I'm sit, you know driving, you know, sitting in a seat in a supercar. So 
I'll still be involved in supercar meetings and weekends, whether it's broadcast or being part of the race team or just being a pain, I suppose, in the back of the garage and, and the pit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll be still around. It's just uh, I won't be sitting in a race car. Now, next year, it's fair to say that you guys won't be teaming up. It's kind of the end of your little partnership. Is there going to be a bet on between you two about who's going to finish higher at Bathurst next year? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, Bathurst is one of those things. You're, you're, you're lucky. You're lucky to get on the podium. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of hard work in the background. But um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a wager, CL. Happy to have a wager. <laughs> a wager whichever, whichever way it goes, I'm sure we'll have a beer after the race. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, AJ. Actually, I got a, a text message from uh, Garth um, yesterday and because uh, we, we were obviously side-by-side side on the grid and uh, we had a bit of a, a friendly wager on who could get to the turn one first and he won it. So, um, yeah, you, you, often you have you have those little funny bets with uh, with different people. I, I had it with uh, Chazzy at Darwin. We were side-by-side. Side. I got to turn one before him. So you have those funny bets. But, yeah, as Richo said, at the end of the day, when your visors are down and you're obviously in the car, you're doing the best for yourself and the team and, and the sponsors. But uh, you know, when you when you go outside of a racetrack and the gates are behind you, um, you know that that's when you switch off and you just become good mates. And uh, you know, you'll have a laugh and a joke and tell stories about what should have been, could have been, or or was. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, GT would have told you not to retire because it would make him one of the oldest in the field next year. So <laughs> well, it is now. He, he's now becoming the oldest of the field. So uh, yeah, I think he's uh, having a bit of a complex. <laughs> Um, the championship has, again, tightened back up. SVG came in with a 55-point lead to Scott McLaughlin. It's now under 20 points going into the carnage of Gold Coast. Uh, thank you, boys, for your time today. It's been an awesome privilege and a pleasure to speak to you both. Uh, and oh, Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Thank you very much. Uh, we, you, we will see you guys on the Gold Coast. Will, thanks very much for your time today. No dramas. And we will see everyone and wrap up all the Gold Coast action in the next podcast.